for this. And so I laugh at this. It's the fourth quarter. I'd have come back from this. But I love this game. You gon' know the name. It's Ozone Sports Facts. Let's layer the flame. Hello, everybody. Live from Koreatown. It is Omar Miller and Terry Miller. And we're the Millers Millers. And it's go time. This is the Ozone. You are inside. I'm pumped up, folks. I came in hot yesterday with Skip and Shannon on Undisputed on FS1. And a lot of you guys had a lot to say, apparently. I thought that was pretty amazing, to be honest. Because this is nothing but facts. And it's nothing but what you hear on the Ozone all the time. Because we're here, we are unfair and partial. That's what we do. Brother Terry, how are you feeling today with your Houston Astros garb? Um, I'm back. Houston time. It's time to take off. It's time for Houston to take flight on the rest of the league. Man, they're going to have a hard time taking flight against the Boston Red Sox because the Boston Red Sox like to rattle off eight to ten games, seems like, every other week. Guess what good pitching does? What does good pitching do? Shuts down the rattling. Wait a minute. Are you uh, implying that the Boston Red Sox don't have good good pitching? Nobody has comparable starting front line like the Houston Astros. Nobody in baseball. <laughs> what about the Galaxy? Nobody. Well, well, we got a lot to cover today, folks. I want to uh, clarify some of my comments, even though they were pretty clear. But if Get you didn't, clarity. if you didn't, yeah, yeah I liked it. I want to dwell in the light, brother, not in the darkness. So, depending on uh, depending on whether or not you heard the interview, you will know. What I was talking about. We got the NBA. Uh, obviously, we're always talking LeBron. This is L.A., and he's come here. It's go time. Um, we have our favorite, Major League Baseball. We got some big fights coming up this weekend. And uh, we were out in London, mate. We got bloody Wembley's going down. Even a, a, a dash about the World Cup. But let's start with what we were talking about on Undisputed yesterday. Uh, they asked me about super teams. You guys who listen faithfully know I'm not a big fan of super teams in any sport, but especially in basketball, because basketball seems to be the only sport that is vulnerable to the super team being invincible. You can put together the super team in baseball. It means nothing. The Yankees have a super team right now. It means absolutely nothing. You still need to play all the games. I, you know what? Basketball, the super teams don't win all, all the time. In basketball? Yeah. The super team has won the last three out of the last four is, years. You're, you're living in the moment because the Lakers had a super team at one point. And they won five out of ten championships in a decade. Wrong. They had Gary Payton, Carl Malone, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal, and they didn't win. That was one year. But that, that's that's a super team that didn't win. That's one. But I'm saying, the Houston Rockets had a super team. There's been super teams in the past that haven't won. It's just that nowadays the players are dictating – the super team. Back in the day, it was the owners who had more input on putting these teams together, and the money was more in control. Nowadays, the players are dictating pace, which is a problem because it hurts the league because they're looking out for themselves more so than they're looking out for the whole game of basketball. Well, to me, it's just about them trying to make the game easier. Yeah, and I, don't, I agree. I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my ultimate stance on super teams. Ultimately, super teams do win. To and, me, and, you know, if you if you look at it, there may be an anomaly here and there, but the super teams that are put together usually are uh, effective. Whether you're talking about Bosch, Wade, and and LeBron, whether you're talking about Utah Ray put, Allen, Utah uh, put together a super team that didn't win. Um, what super team did Utah have? I have to go back and look at the thing, but they had when they played against uh, Michael Jordan in them. They had put together a nice little super nah, team. This is like you calling that's people superstars. No, that's Come not on, that's team. not true. That's not Come true. On, these teams, team, these teams are. Super I can teams. give you their roster off the top of my well, head. Give me that roster. I love I bet you wrong. Greg Ostertag is not a super player. I Carl did. Malone was a superstar. Okay, John Stockton, Brian Russell, or Byron Russell, rather. Sorry, excuse me, and Shannon Anderson. These is this is not a super team. T. What are you saying right now? 
basketball reference. You, you, I just gave you the starting five. That's not a super team. I used to run with them on live. I know them well. 98 live. That was my squad. And what about that Houston Rockets And Jeff team? Hornacek. Jeff Hornacek was a monster, but he wasn't a super guy. He's like 5'11", five, like five, 6 feet, something like that. Um, he, they were good players. That's exactly my point. They didn't. And and when you say you put together a super team, the collusion factor is the factor of the super team that rubs me the wrong way. It's not the fact that guys, good guys, get together and play because these mega teams or nice teams or this, that, and the other, those are organically put together via the draft, maybe a trade here and there. I'm talking about a pointed effort to go play with other supreme athletes, and then in turn. Uh, uh, render the rest of the league helpless. I think in sport, this is the one arena where you actually don't want to see the best play with the best. In the movies, you want to see Denzel Washington make a movie with Will Smith. You want to see Al Pacino do a movie with Robert De Niro. You want to see Meryl Streep do a movie with Diane Keaton because that collaboration is going to bring out the best. It doesn't work like that in sports. It's not necessarily for the greater good of the society. It's for the greater good of one city. Right now, that one city is Oakland, and I love that because it's all about town business. But that does not mean that it's good for the game at large in the direction that the games are going. Definitely like good for the game. I don't, I don't feel like. Because, I just don't feel like well, that. It's, it's not even about feelings at this point. You're talking about maybe five good teams and what happens to the rest of the markets. Yeah. So I, I mean, they waste time is what they do. Yeah. And then you know what else happens? It's like when I had those Clippers season tickets. And you would go, and then you end up leaving at halftime because the game is an absolute blowout. So unless you're there for the socializing aspect of all this stuff, and you're not of the game and the event factor, and you're not there to actually watch the game, it's a different feeling. And for me, I want to see competitive sports in all sports. You even look at the super teams in football. We got one in L.A. now, to be honest. The Rams have a super team out there. And uh, that doesn't mean that they're going to the Super Bowl. The Patriots have a super team. Doesn't mean that they win every year. The Patriots really and they didn't really didn't have a super team. I, I, you're, I, I correct myself. You're right. You're right. But what I'm saying is, you put together these monster teams. It doesn't. Who had the super team was the Atlanta Falcons, and that didn't necessarily. That was more of an organic thing. Yeah. You know, and and in every sport you see it because you see these guys coming in through free agency and whatnot, and it, it's a big difference because, like I said, the players are actually saying, "I want to go here." Like Kawhi Leonard has made it known that he's coming to the Lakers. That's. That's not fair. Kawhi Leonard's coming to the Lakers? No. In the past, he said that he wants to come to the Lakers. So in the future, he's going to come to the Lakers. He's letting that be known. So how are the other teams going to be able to compete? Just like Jerry. To uh, get him. uh Jerry West just came out and said that it wasn't really a big deal about LeBron James going to the Lakers because everybody already knew that he wanted to go there. Right. Right, right, right. It wasn't a sell that had to be made. Nobody can pitch him and say, hey, if you come here, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Because nobody can offer what L.A. offers in general. Uh, and that's for you guys all to understand in life, in case you would like to come out here and get some of the la-la. But uh, that's, that was my take. And when I was talking about guys going to join up with other players that they lost to, the way that the clip got cut, people thought I was talking about LeBron. I was not. I was talking about the, the KD and his Warriors decision less than a month after losing to them when he was up 3-1 in the series. So I just wanted to clarify those things. Seems to get a lot of people hot. Again, you guys are welcome to call in, uh, and we'll we'll play your your messages and say how you feel. You're welcome to come join us on uh, my Instagram or on the icons e y e c o n z 
We always have a, a spirited debate, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. We'll interact with you. The phone number here is area code 424-254-9663. Call in. Leave a message. We'll drop you online. So you got some people pissed. A couple people. A couple people are out there with their panties in a bunch. So the NBA, uh, I'm very happy about this this thing you're saying. The NBA is abolishing one of the more oppressive rules in all the professional sports, uh, which was the one and done rule. Thank goodness. I mean, it, it really, I don't think this even deserves a lot of conversation because it's so obvious what's wrong with this. But uh, the idea of saying, hey, you have to go, and not for safety sake, not like football where it's no. like, hey, you're physically un- unable. This you're is not- something for the NCAA. This is just to keep them stocked with the with the highest caliber right. of uh That was like a backroom players. deal that they made. That's like a backroom deal that they made. Not the NBA had nothing to do with it, no. I'm sure. But that's I, like a I don't know. You but, never know, huh? Yeah. I don't know, but I know that it's a backroom deal and point blank. It's a it's a backroom deal that shouldn't have happened. Although I don't feel like there's that many kids that'll be able to come out of high school. There, there's not league. but the ones that did historically bald. Yeah. You have a handful of kids who did not make it. Is LeBron the last one? I think LeBron is the last one. But if you remember, you had Jermaine O'Neal, who was a monster mm-hmm. and got a crazy, crazy deal. Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. The list goes on and on. There's a lot of guys who were ready. They didn't necessarily uh, you know, set the league on fire their first season, per se. But that same development that they were going to get in college, they got at a higher level faster. And I also think that with the way that the the game of basketball is watered down now in the NBA, the last thing that they confront on is worrying about somebody to lower the game, you know, the quality of the game. Can't get any lower, right? It can't get any lower. All you want to do is shoot jumpers. Nobody want to pound the boards. Next victim blown up my line already. Jeez, man, we're just getting into it, right? You're so anxious to hop on the line. And I know you happened to catch the segment yesterday. And I, I think you have some strong feelings about what it was that was said. How you doing today? I'm doing good. How, y- how y'all doing today, Ozone? Great. Ozone feeling strong out here. Got a lot of people's dander up. A lot of people are upset. Been a lot of interaction. I seen you jump on. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. You can find me at Do It For The Tipper, D-O-I-T, the number four, T-H-A-T-I-P-P-E-R, Do It For The Tipper. So... The people don't seem to understand competitive edge, and a lot of people are accusing me of being an old man. <laughs> I got a couple of people accusing me of writing MJ's nuts. It's like, geez, that's a little graphic, a little wow. excessive. But, uh, you know, I made the point that Michael Jordan would never call Isaiah Thomas because he couldn't beat them and then go run with them. But he did something just as bad, though, to me, is because he lobbied to get the rules changed. So, I'm, I mean, I don't, it, it's, it's, it's the same to me. You, you it's can, not the same to me. Yeah, if you go and try to lobby to get the rules changed so that you can win, what's the difference in going and joining the the Detroit Pistons? And I don't know how much or how successful he was at lobbying to get the rules they changed the rules. in the sense that uh, the game was still way more physical than it will ever be again. So, I mean, and, and also at the point that he lobbied to get the rules changed, Guys were having full blown WWF wrestling brawls. Good in games. The <laughs> you like the games, though, didn't you? Yeah. Did I didn't. Uh, I, yeah. I would prefer a late '80s game no, to an early you know '80s you game. Didn't. I was there. Yes, you like I those did. games. I like the late '80s game no, as opposed like to the, the early '80s. You game. love the business because because Bill Lambeer socking Larry Bird dead in his mouth was a little bit excessive. Yeah, but Larry Bird chunked him back. The Larry Bird wasn't just like a sucker. Uh, yeah, but that's not. Your, I mean, and, your, and, your and the Celtics were aggressive too. I agree. All of them were aggressive, which is exactly why to get the 
game to where it is now, the rules needed to be changed to to, to keep <laughs> to people water down control. the league. No, not to water down yeah. the league to be to make the league more civil and corporate. Nope, just more civil. No, I don't. I don't need fights in the NBA in the same way that you have fights in hockey. What's your take on it, victim? Man, I just want to say first off, you didn't shock the world with being on the segment yesterday because Cass is talking and talking nonstop. A lot of buzz. I appreciate you. I Thank appreciate you, you for throwing it out there because uh, it needed to be said. A lot of folks cannot, you know, are unable to say things like that on TV, but you put it out there. My Twitter is hot. Like, it's just some en fuego habanero hot sauce right now. It's because on. everyone wants to talk about it and can't believe it. But it's it's it should have been said a long time ago. Um, Charles Barkley kind of touched on it, but Cats, you know, it's nasty. That's you know, that's my favorite word, nasty. Just like icons is nasty, trying to say that they bent the rules for Michael Jordan a little bit. Oh, they bent the rules and they changed them. I'm sorry. They bent the rules and they changed them. Yeah, but it's, it's like, come on, like back then, like it was then. It was, it was WWE. It was WWF back then. Good basketball back then. The early '80s that's was a little bit too hard. much on the on the on. And I'm not talking about a physical game. When I talk about watering the league down, I'm talking about the actual uh, uh, post play and hand checks. I'm not talking about fights because fights were running rampant in the early '80s, and I think that's what they lobbied and changed the league, and it made the league a lot more palatable for the mass. Yeah, but he he lobbied for hand checking and everything else because the Pistons actually were roughing him up, and Boston was roughing him up, and they needed to soften it up a little bit. Yeah, but Scottie see, that, Pippen, that's the Scottie point Pippen, of what I'm saying. This Scottie is what Pippen I'm saying. checked out during the playoffs and the championship. You yeah, know, but, see, but this is what I'm saying. They, they didn't. It, whether, it wasn't too much saying, over the top. Whether it you're just saying that they, they lobbied or not, they didn't change the hand check rule until like 2000. So that, that Which, what you're saying is null and void. No big man. Now the big man don't want to be on a post, and everybody want to shoot 35-foot jumpers. Right, and I love a good jumper. They're not even <laughs> shooting 35, 35 threes. Yeah, yeah. It's not even Tony jumpers. wants you to shoot 100. <laughs> That's a 35-foot, not 35. 100 threes? Who asked for that? Man, apparently everybody did. Now what's your take on this one-and-done rule in the, uh, in the NBA? I don't like it. I think um, – Cats should, you know what, it's 50-50. I don't like it just from my perspective because I think it it limits the development of, of kids coming out through college. And um, I'm all about the, the, the college atmosphere. And I want kids to get that full experience and get their degrees and, and do more. Um, but why can't they do that right. after they go to the NBA and get right. paid and they can afford it themselves without high-interest student loans? True. They're on scholarships, so there's not no student loans. So what are you talking about? Not everybody. Well, not everybody's on scholarships. You only have and a then, handful of and them. And then also, as you know very well, even if you're on scholarships, this leads a lot of people to a life of crime and wrong right. things because it's not enough money <laughs> for them to actually live the right way unless you're the star player. And the coach sliding right, people money under, under, the, under the table. That's why I say it's, it's 50-50 because – if you can get that cheese after the one year and, and bounce and take care of your family and do all the right things and possibly go back, if the university, let's, let's, let's say the, the, the university implement a rule like this. If you're going to be one and done, make sure you come back and give back to the university and finish your, your degree. Why should you as have to well be? You, really I, 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 you, you sound like the man right yeah. now. I don't why, understand. Why would I have to be indentured to you? Because you, right. you I'm are making you guys money. I'm making you. You guys are gonna write off my name for the rest of your for, life. Selling all kind of jerseys and all sorts of stuff. Now, to me, the bigger issue is the one and done rule is a direct 
to me, it's a direct racially motivated rule. There is no other scenario where it's in law that the beneficiary of one group of work, meaning the majority of these one-and-done NCAA basketball players are of African-American descent. Now you're stopping the majority of them from actually going directly to earn their livelihoods, a lot of which come from a bad spot. You're directly stopping them so that another large organization can benefit off of them financially under the guise of, well, we're giving them education. Not we're giving them a development yeah, and college yeah. experience. That I can't, I can't can support that. the G that. League and the D League. So you don't need that. And now the NBA has recognized that NCAA took advantage of the rule, and now they're, ta- they're doing their thing. I, I applaud them for being proactive. Man. Yeah. That's, I, I, I'll take that, but I'm, I like I like just – I mean, the league is watered down. Don't f- forget about it. I mean, one and right. done – Within one year, these kids are going to get the, the, the rookie salary – which is enough coming from where I they I was about to say, from. which is enough. I'll take a rookie salary right now. It's probably more than I make. <laughs> so, <laughs> the way that they're giving out money in the NBA now, are you crazy? Right. And every year. Trucks getting $100 million? Right. So I go out there with my bum knee and give you three and two. I promise. Three and two. Three and two. Ooh. They're giving guys three and two. We're getting, you're good for $60 Six. million for three and two. Wow. Three and two. Oh, got three and two. Honey. I got three and two. Come on, Tipper. You know I got three and two. I don't care if I got to cheat. I got three and two. He got that. Look, he got that in six minutes. I got that. Yeah, I just need the time. I just need the time. Give me, give me a ten day. I promise. Six minutes is a lot in the league. It's a lot in the league. Twenty four <laughs> second shot clock. You got to get the shake, Jack. <laughs> so I get three and two in the Levar Ball League right now. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. There ain't nothing but kids playing out there. Ah, uh, LeVar Ball. Let's <laughs> let's just go cover LeVar and Lonzo real quick. With this move to the Lakers, it seems like LeVar really seems like he might have tricked it off for his other kids with this eligibility situation. Totally. I mean, you know, what do, what do you do now if you're those kids? You go play in Pops League? He has to. Or does everybody just live off Alonzo? Of the second son has to play in the, in the league. He, did, he wasn't interested in it at first, but nobody wants him, so now he has to play in that league, which is unfortunate for him. And now he really created the problem yeah, because it was food of the poison tree. Yeah. When he, if he wasn't stealing in China, then for, what? I have, for, for absolutely no reason except for some <laughs> kids stuff to be quote-unquote cool, there's, there's no reason why he was out there stealing. And there's no reason. Well, and now this is the, the domino effect of that action. Because LeVar Ball, it seems as though LeVar took an an action based on that to try to rectify, and then he got the young one swept into it, too. Now you're <laughs> playing hoops in Lithuania for no reason. What am I doing in Lithuania? I'm from Chino Hills. Right, and right. not even averaging five points a game. I'm the weak game. Weak. You can't even give me three <laughs> and two in the, in the Lithuanian league? UCLA still wanted the youngest one. But, you know, Pops pulled him out of school and everything and then take him to, to Lithu. And it's like, come on, now now you looking like just that obsessed father that's trying to do everything, you know, to, to steal the shine and be the man instead of just letting the kids just, yeah. you know, develop. And I've been with LeVar a lot for years as far as uh, su- the support. You rode with him. Yeah, I rode with him because I like to see what he it is that he's trying to do, and I love to see a super proactive African-American father out there Supporting representing his kids. For his kids. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not mad at that, but I think he might have made a misstep. And what can you do? You you know you can't. Uh, can't but he made, he made you, several you missteps. And and not only that, killing the eligibility is crucial. Killing eligibility is clutch. <laughs> that's it's not clutch. It's clutch to lock you up. Is what it <laughs> yeah, is. That's not clutch. It's a bad look for Lonzo. It's a bad look for Lonzo. <laughs> Man, wow. 
Well, terrible look. Uh, do it for the tipper. Who do you got this weekend in the fights? We're gonna keep it moving. Ooh, I got Matisse. I no, got, I do. I think he still got the power. If he try to go into what was that icons? You nasty. <laughs> you talking about somebody still got the power? Why do you think Manny can't get any fights? I think it's just uh, just that delay. I think it's too long for what was it like a year or so since his last fight. Yeah, he had that thing in Australia. But, I mean, the guy, you know, he's living a very full life. Manny's out there literally helping his country. And he stays in the gym. That's what he does. I follow him on the gram. You can watch him every single day in the gym. He loves being in the he gym. He loves being in the gym. <laughs> he loves getting hit. Exactly. I just, I think Matisse is just going just out boxing this time. Well, there it is. Well, do it for the tipper. Appreciate the call. We're going to keep it moving and uh, get on to the next. We'll check right, in with you next week. Easy. You too. Peace. Always nice to have Facebook callers on the Ozone, repping uh, uh, the Ozone family online. You can find us, folks, at the Ozone all over the place. So keeping it moving along with the super team theory, want to talk to our doctor consultant. Uh, Dr. Plants is on the line. He wants to speak about the injuries that have taken place uh, and whether or not Boogie Cousins can come back, uh, Yasiel Puig, he's got a lot to say. There it is, special caller coming in now, coming in hot. How are you feeling, Doc? You're right, it's hot, about 102 degrees here in L.A. <laughs> this is this is no joke, this heat wave. I went the other day to, to my house, and I actually escaped to the beach for the weekend. And um, honestly, it looked like a forest fire had happened in front of my house. You know, if you go like where my family's at in Oklahoma, you'd rather be here because it's humid about ninety percent. So there's no escaping the heat there. Oh, Hot, pass. And Hot and sticky, just like the Los Angeles Lakers roster. So we're here to talk sports. You are our sports science specialist for all things medical. And you know what? We want to talk about the moves that are being made in the NBA. Now LeBron James came to the Lakers. He made a very big splash, but immediately. Almost equally as big of a splash was a, a player named Boogie Cousins went from the New Orleans Pelicans to the Golden State Warriors. Now, he went on a bargain basement price, and part of the reason is he tore his Achilles this January, this January or February. There's a tiny list of players in NBA history that have come back from an Achilles tear to have a successful career. Explain to us what it takes to come back from an Achilles and why it's so hard as pertaining to the NBA-style basketball game. This is actually classic in almost any sport in age or the profession. Um, it's improper training usually that first sets them off for it. Um, I don't have the advantage of having the MRI to see if it's a complete tear of the Achilles, um, but that's a kind of like an accelerator muscle. It's supposed to take the, the uh, calcaneus bone at the bottom of the foot, and uh, it's, it's like a rocker, and it's supposed to sometimes slow down a step or speed up a step. And in athletes, they always train, you see a pitcher, their shoulders always roll forward. That's because their accelerators are worked on all the time. Problem is, the muscles responsible for slowing that joint down isn't worked on. It should be almost twice as strong. The example is, um, huh. all these people like tear their ligaments in their biceps and, you know, as a pitcher, because pitching coaches, once they go to the major leagues, always change their approach. And these kids have, I mean, they've been doing the same sports since they were seven, eight, or nine years old. So the ligaments and tendons are built a certain way to handle a certain force. And the problem is their arms don't slow down. The legs don't slow down. So you have an Achilles tendon that's supposed to, one, give you a jump. So everybody works on a jump. 
nobody worries about the fall, which is uh, four muscles. The peroneus muscles, there's three on the outside of the foot, and then the anterior tibialis, which should be able to lift in an average man at close to 200 pounds with your toes going back towards your knee. With that muscle being weak, it's like pulling the reins on a horse. If you don't pull the reins on, the horse is going to run until it falls over dead. Same way with the Achilles. If you're not going to slow it down, that, that Achilles is going to accept the full brunt of the injury. Now, it depends on the type of tear. Now, if it's closer to the, down towards the, the foot or up near the body, you worry about two muscles. The soleus, I see more tears than that. Misdiagnosis and Achilles tear than I see any other place. And it's the one right underneath the... Um, the gastric nemius. And when these people build this up too much between the soleus and the, and the gastric nemius, there's two bodies of the calf muscle. The arteries and veins go right through the center of those. So if you can imagine using it all the time, it causes compression on the arteries and veins, which causes the muscle and the ligament to get ischemic. So it's not repairing very fast. And in, that also applies to the healing. I've had miraculous, you know, I've had athletes, I'm not going to mention their names, but I had one come in completely toward the Achilles about two years ago. And I saw the MRI, needed to have it stitched. It was bundled up, retracted. He said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. All the other athletes never get to play again. So sure enough, he wanted, you know, the platelet-rich plasma, some other additional stuff in, in around there and isolate the muscle. He came back in about four to six weeks. Four to six weeks, he um, had um, almost complete healing, rejoined the Achilles to the calcaneus. Wow. I mean, that, that, that was miraculous. So nowadays, I don't really go right to surgery if the patient doesn't want to, particularly if they're an athlete, because there's a chance. And that was four weeks. Then we started working on his peroneus, lungs, brevis, and tertius, built up his anterior tibialis, worked on some of the smaller extensions and flexors in the foot, got him strong, and uh, two months later, he was probably even better than he was before. So and there's also, again, we talk about the shoes. I told you, the pyramid-shaped shape of the shoes, if the foot is rocking side to side, the gastrocnemius is not supposed to. It's got a little sack of fluid next to the tendon where it inserts in the bottom of the foot. And you roll it back and forth, back and forth, and it's become inflamed, which then causes fibroblast activity, which is scar tissue. And scar tissue tears nasty when it tears. So I think he could probably come back. I think it's, it's probably poor rehab and misunderstanding of the biomechanics that makes these guys fail afterwards. Because I saw... Like three and a half percent of the ones with torn Achilles ever come back to something close to normal. Wow! And, yeah, and that's what I heard. Yeah, and it's, it, the interesting thing is that usually when you check them after they've healed, they're like a hundred percent. But if you've ever been around somebody who has a torn Achilles, it literally sounds like a rubber band snapping or a whip cracking, and that freaks somebody out. They they get the mindset, so they have to all. all It'll be re-educated and reinforced and told, yeah, you actually look stronger now. Let's work on this and make you even better than when you tore it. And then be aware because, you know, it's probably not going to tear again, but they got that mindset that says it could. So it's, it's not a hard healing process. I mean, it's it's a simple tendon fiber. It's not like this, you know, the spring fibers and the, the deltoid fibers that are in ligaments that go from the kneecap to the tibia. This is not a highly motive, you know, modified ligament or tendon but you got to always work about the other tendons around it because you don't want you don't you don't want to get ischemia in there so you got to make sure you're not exercising improperly to build up the gastric too much because then like i said a tourniquet it stops a blood supply and then you're going to get another injury that's pretty easy isn't it <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> so you make it sound like a walk in the park I it just is. Want it's not rocket science you know i know rocket scientists 
you know, but they don't tear, <laughs> they don't tear their Achilles, but. You know. <laughs> well, it, uh, it, it remains to be seen because if he does come back at full strength then the Golden State Warriors are going to be totally unstoppable. Um, yeah. I mean, and, I, and you know me, I could, I could probably, gosh, I'd be stepping out of the limb, but probably fix him so he'd be better. But, you know, you got to look at all the biomechanics, do high-speed film vector evaluations, find out where he's loading and not loading properly, and then work on the decelerators and accelerators properly. Now, let me ask you this. What's the chance of it repopping? Well, once you form scar tissue, it's actually a little stronger than the original tissue. So it's, you also want to avoid scar tissue because you don't get that spring motion if you if you got too much scar tissue in there. But I've maybe only once in the NBA ever seen somebody tear it again. Um mostly because they're scared to death and they don't jump and run as fast. Mm. But um, in the general population from, you know, cage fighters, mixed martial arts, and baseball players I've treated in the last 40 years. Don't repeat that, but yeah, 40 years. <laughs> oh, this is on the radio. <laughs> Shit. Um, but yeah, I, I, if they do what they're supposed to do and the trainer knows, cross-crawl, muscle stability, vector analysis, they do everything right. They should never... Like I said, they should actually be better. Once you become, you know that, you guys have been doing your jobs and your businesses with your acting and stuff. Once you learn from your mistakes, you should get better. Yeah, for sure, in theory. But it requires a, an, an acute eye to be able to help uh, grow from there. Well, but along yeah. those lines, uh, also we saw another injury. And in the, the, there's a rash of, of, so you could call them bizarre injuries going on. But you saw Yasiel Puig from the L.A. Dodgers got hurt the other night. And uh, what they're calling one thing, you're saying is something else. Speak on that. Oh, man. Do I want to get in trouble with Tommy? Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll call and apologize to him later. The, you know, the problem is, and sometimes their approach, um, but if you saw him right when he first injured it, where he grabbed his side, it was more flank anterior. And he was pushing deep, which made it worse, and he spasmed forward. Um, if you watch him in slow mode, nice slow mode down, I didn't know you were going to call me, but I, and I was just laughing. I'm just going, I bet you they call this an oblique. I bet you, and it's, it's not an oblique. I don't care what the MRI, what they say. I can guarantee you the way his, his leg was flexed, contracted. He had trouble, you know, with the rotation of an internal and external. He, um, was bent over in a pugilistic kind of position. That's real classic for a mixed tear of the psoas muscle on that side. And he'll probably have some groin pain today and feel like he has a kidney infection and stuff. That you have to address right away because there's so much blood supply and other stuff going around there. I've seen guys who tear it and then go get their teeth clean and bacteria settles in there. Psoas abscesses are not that uncommon. So wow. if they're going to train him and rest him and say, oh, he won't be back for like a few months and maybe till mid-season, um, it's a psoas muscle. If you stretch it properly – with the external rotation, the leg drop, arch the back a bit. What makes it hurt is what you got to do kind of to that. Um, and again, I haven't seen the MRI, so I don't know, but I don't think they did one because within the hour they said it was an oblique. So I doubt if somebody's actually saw him, but you got to, you got to work on that entire pelvic structure, got to work on the psoas muscle, make sure that it's, it's, um, firing properly and not inflamed or infected just the way you held it. It might be a little oblique in there, but the oblique probably came on only after a psoas. And you could tell by the way he arched his back, made his swing, stepped with his leg out instead of in, you know, and it, that, that's the psoas muscle strain. Wow. wow. I know a guy that I play tennis with, and uh, honestly, sometimes he, he does uh, Pilates training. 
And he constantly talks about it. So his muscles and how the Pilates training with, I guess, the reformer machine really helps to strengthen him. And the times when he's doing his Pilates, it's almost impossible to get a ball by him. This guy, he's yeah. all over the court. But see, I call that the presidential fitness um, trauma, you know, because they always make you do those 300 sit-ups or whatever you can in grade yep. school or high school to get the award. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Sit-ups are the bane to an athlete's existence because that's just a source muscle. The spine there is arched forward like a bowstring. The bowstring is supposed to be in the back, right? Well, they put this muscle in the front, which is just mainly for stabilizing the pelvis. And you get that thing bigger and stronger. One, you're going to tear it. Two, you're going to compress the discs. You're going to cause where the nerve comes out, called the foramen, and you're going to call those to cause those to compress. So you really want, don't want that muscle too strong. So, um, example, you know, I check Ali or any of the fighters that I worked with in the past. These guys, they didn't have a six pack. It was underneath a twenty pack. You know, they had all that fat in front and stuff because. They weren't doing sit-ups. What they do is they do, like what you see in Rocky movies, you know, he's on a stage and somebody's sitting on his legs and he goes down below the stage and comes up even. Right. So you, you, don't want, you don't want to be curling your body forward because that's really not going to help the abdominal structure. It's going to make that psoas muscle bigger, which is going to cause a lot of back problems, hip problems, pelvic problems, and it's prone for injury. Wow. Uh, well, final thing we want to cover with you is we got to – the rematch is uh, the ink is dried. Everyone signed on. Big fight coming up on September fifteenth. They call it the Big Drama Show, uh, middleweight championship with uh, pound for pound king Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez from Mexico, who failed the drug test earlier for PEDs twice this year, and they they blamed it on eating contaminated meat. They say it's common in Mexico. But, uh, you know, it, it all sounds a little bit fishy because his trainers are butchers. So what we want to talk to you about is that what, what is the quantity of meat that one would have to have to then test positives for uh, a clenbuterol, which, you know, as has been explained to us as a masking agent for the use of drugs. That's nah, not it's, it's it's really easy to d detect. Um, first of all, uh, Performance-enhancing drugs. I don't know who came up. This can't be a doctor who ever was an athlete that came up with those terms and now make, make all these things illegal. You know, performance-enhancing like testosterone and growth hormone, at the right doses, they make you heal faster. They're not going to make you faster. The only thing they're going to be good for in a sport is going to be weightlifting and bodybuilding and making your body look fine. Same with the, the you know, the, the uh, sympathomimetics like the drug you're talking about. They just lean you out, but they're not going to make you better athletes have an inborn metabolism and an inborn ability to do stuff in their brain and their muscles these things you look at um um you know the defunct batter in, in san francisco who then went to the marlins we talked about last year um his batting average got worse and worse well with the there's no such thing as performance enhancing in those kind of events like baseball boxers or you know any kind of professional sport it's unfortunate we can't check them at least once or twice a month because they're not recovering quick enough. They're, they're doomed, you know, by the time they're 30, 35, because they can't recover fast enough and they burn up all their growth hormone. They burn up all their testosterone. You know, all the magnesium and branched-chain amino acids are gone. But we don't care. We just want to pay for the ticket and watch something good. So performance enhancing is, is not true. Now, one you're talking about is, is like similar to like an antihistamine. It... They use it mainly in, in meat for people who want, don't want to see the fat. They want to see kind of a, a shiny marble with a lot of – it looks like the meat's better, but it's just 
less fat. So that's really all it does. And if you want to know what mad cow disease is, you give them a whole bunch of this kind of drug. <laughs> and that's what it'll do to a person. It makes them anxious. Their heart rate goes up. It makes them tremor. It, it definitely causes erectile dysfunction. And you've got all the stuff you're adding to these guys, and that's going to be a performance enhancing. In any one of those fields, from the erections to the performance, it's going to make it worse. Like with him, if you took too much of that or above the legal limit, he's going to he's going to get hit a lot because he's going to be nervous. He's going to be confused. His heart rate's going to go up. Sympathetic nerves going to cause all kinds of stuff to occur. So it's not performance enhancing. I think the only thing it would be is just to outlaw it so that kids don't hurt themselves with it. And we've had two in one of the gyms in the L.A. area that guys, one get kid, probably about 22, his heart stopped from it. And then wow. another one that had him, saw a small stroke and went on a ventilator. And those are just the last few months. So well, in I don't this scenario, the- it sounds like it was more it was more being used for a healing purpose. But uh, it doesn't because heal he anything. got he got beat up pretty bad in uh, last year. Yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't cause anything to heal. It's not going to make him heal at all. I mean, I can't. It's going to make the muscles lean. But if you make the muscle too lean, the fashion there where the muscles slide between each other so they don't get stuck. That deteriorates. So he's going to be stiff. He's going to be tremors. He's going to overshoot, undershoot. He's going to be misdirected. His heart rate's going to go up. I mean, there's just a lot of side effects, you know, that, that you know, besides in the bedroom, but he, he's not, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think it's a detriment. I'd probably just tell him here, take a little extra if you're, if I'm betting on the other guy. Wow. So, I mean, I, I don't, it's not, it's not for that. And in the FDA in this country supposedly, you know, outlawed a lot of stuff being added to meats. However, through a source of mine, I found out that the only two states they don't you know, restrict a lot of stuff added to meats, any meats, would, is California and Texas. And they say it's because it's Republic of California, Republic of Texas, and they can't make them stop. But um, there's no way that's performance enhancing. If anything's going to happen, you'll probably get knocked out from doing it. Um, <laughs> wow. And they do add it to some of the meats to make it leaner. But like I said, you give it to a cow, and particularly give it to a bull, you know, like at the PDR, the professional rodeo. Nobody would be able to ride that damn ball because wow. it'd be so nervous and be so, it'd be worse than that leather they put around their gonads. They're going to be nervous <laughs> and jumping a lot more. They're going to look for something to kill, but they're going to burn out real quick. Now, it can cause heart attacks in an athlete because your heart's already got kind of large. It's called core bovinum because you exercise so much, the left ventricle starts to get a little bit more bigger because it's trying to push blood to all the muscles. You know, you get rid of the fat, you get rid of the circulation, the heart works harder. I mean, you know, so I don't see how it's a performance enhancing, you know, enhancing drug. It's not, but you know, it's probably they just don't want him to die in, in the ring. That's the only reason I, you know, tell him not to do it. But it's, it, I, I think you could probably, it, it stays in the body about on an average half life. I think it's anywhere from six to twenty some hours, and um, he's doing it pre-training just you know so he can stay awake and and feel like he's you know into it and not getting fatigued. He'll pay the price in the fight. Well, we appreciate your insight, Doc. It's always a pleasure to have you. You are family on the Ozone. Uh, appreciate the phone call. And the, you know what? We're going to have the people looking out for your YouTube uh, show out of the box. And uh, we'll go from there. You're the man. Be good, you guys. All right, appreciate Doc. Thanks you. a lot. Be in the season. Thanks, soon. Uh, All right. right. Bye. Well, that is a lot of medical jargon. And uh, that, that's a lot of wise. That's a lot of wisdom out that there. That wasn't. He's even calling for a knockout. He's seeing that Canelo's going to get knocked out. 
and uh, yeah, he doesn't appreciate that that clenbuterol. Yeah. <laughs> he feels like it may may make his heart skip. Uh, a lot of lot of information there, and you know we try to keep it varied on the ozone. They'll give you a little medical information. Talk about your psoas. You never know. You might loosen up your psoas. Apparently, you don't want to enlarge your psoas. You just want to loosen him up and get him strong. How about your bounce brother? Him out. Shut up, <laughs> oh, brother Shabazz. You want a bean pie, brother? <laughs> so we're gonna go on uh, in a very surprising turn of events Roger Federer went from winning 14 straight sets at this year's Wimbledon to dropping three in a row and I mean he had match point twice and you were speaking so highly of him I mean he couldn't he, he was I'm sorry he, I'm sorry <laughs> he couldn't honestly he couldn't shut the door he couldn't shut the door he a closer which is interesting because you know the reports have come out saying that he's been having a hard time shaking this off even though it just happened yesterday because he was so close and I even watched him in the post uh, the post interview. Let's let's hear what Roger had to say. Um, I mean, look, he's got a nice big serve, you know, and uh, that he can rely heavily on. And I always thought he returns well off second serves, you know, especially if you give him the small one, you know, he can really lean onto it. And I think he did that uh, again well uh, today. There's nothing really that shocked me because I've seen Kevin um, play many many times, you know, in the past and. Uh, uh, even if the matches have been maybe sometimes one-sided and I didn't lose sets against him, you know, you, you always know uh, that he can pick it up and all of a sudden you won't see breaks anymore for some time. So um, I was very happy that I got off the, the, right, the right start, you know, of the match and uh, was able to, to get, take control somewhat of the, of the game. Um, I just don't know exactly how I couldn't create more opportunities, you know, once the third set, you know, came around. Um, I think I had chances. I'm not sure exactly how many. Um, but then fourth and fifth, obviously fifth was long, so it's, that's like two sets to fifth. But you know, I think I, I had my chances. You know, so it's uh, disappointing. But uh, no, I mean, no doubt about it that he, you know, he was consistent. He was solid. Um, he got what he needed when he when he had to. So credit to him for for hanging around really that long. Were you surprised that Kevin was able to stay in, in so many rallies and, and, and play such a strong baseline game uh, with you? And also, did mental fatigue enter into it for you as that fifth set wore on? Um, no, I, I've seen Kevin play very well off the baseline also against me, you know, in the past. So uh, I wasn't feeling particularly well off the baseline, you know. I couldn't really get the, the rallies going the way I wanted to, especially one-two punch wasn't working at all today. I don't know if it's had something to do with the breeze or just, uh, you know, a bad day from my side, except the first set. After that, I never really felt... Uh, exactly 100% and that has nothing to do with my opponent it was just one of those days where you hope to get by somehow and uh, I almost could have or should have um, so no I wasn't surprised that you know once I couldn't get the one-two punch going that once I was in the rally it's hard to to get him moving because like you said he hits hard and strong and then the other thing you said mental fatigue oh, mental. You as a, as no a I felt good actually I mean sure it's disappointing losing the next two sets after winning the first two and having match points but uh I've been there before, and I know what kind of energy I need to bring to the fifth, and I was able to bring that. Um, so, um, yeah, so I didn't feel mental fatigue, to be quite honest. Now I feel horribly fatigued and just awful, so um, it's just uh, it's just terrible, but that's uh, how it goes, you know. What a champ. You listen to a guy who can't believe that he lost. He's devastated, and, and you can understand why. 
He just rattled off 14 straight sets that didn't lose a, a set. And he lost focus. And he, and somehow or another he lost focus. Either that or was it Father Time? Did Father Time, is fi- is Father oh, that's Time a, that's finally what, knocking on Roger Federer's door? I think it goes hand in hand right there. You lose focus because of Father Time sometimes. Ooh, you know? preach. Yeah, and because he had he couldn't seal the deal. He dominated. He just couldn't close it. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, he had a, a fantastic run. I just wonder... I don't see Roger Federer winning on the hard surface uh, in New York. Maybe. You know, he, you can't count this guy out on anything. But the young guys and the guys at the top of the, the food chain with him right now, um, the hard surface, in my opinion, favors those younger guys. Just like last year when we were at the U.S. Open, we saw Francis Tiafoe taking five sets in, I think, the first round. Um, and grass, he's the king of grass. This is his spot. And... You know, this was to take him to the semis, and he just couldn't get it done. I'm very interested to see what the next 12 months are going to look like for the the career of Roger Federer in the tennis space. He just signed a brand-new big, fat deal with Unique Clo. He left Nike. I don't think Roger Federer's going anywhere, but I, it doesn't matter. His legacy is cemented. He's, he's the GOAT. It's him. I don't um, even think that it, it's about that. I think that he's going to be able to come back in his next tournament and do well because the U.S. Open. Yeah, because he folk, he'll he'll learn he'll from refocus. his mistakes. Yeah, yeah, he'll learn from his mistakes. Yeah. And he didn't have a lot of wear and tear on his body right. because he actually didn't play a lot of sets. And he won't play in in the tournaments that's not going to be good for his body. Yeah, you know, no, no, no. Hand, he'll go straight to so right now. He's handpicking his fights. Yeah, to a certain degree. To a certain yes, degree. Yes and no. No, no, no. It's not like a boxing match. Yeah, yeah. So that's not. Let's not like negate what he does because yeah, no, no. It's not. He's, he's handpicking his tournaments, but that's not handpicking your fights. You still have to play everybody, i.e., Kevin Anderson from South Africa, who was not playing with him. He's another young guy. This this generation is anxiously chomping at the bit to have the baton passed to them. Uh, you know, and it's happening on both sides, the men's and the women's. Very, very nice to see, yet what we thought was unlikely is Serena Williams is in the finals of Wimbledon, folks. Yeah, I didn't think that she would have it in her anymore. And she does. And she does. And she's, she's a champion. And she's the greatest of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and she's showing you why. And honestly, as dominant as she was today, I don't think Angelique Kerber's going to beat her. I think she's going to hoist up that Wimbledon trophy again. I think the grass and the fact that it's a soft surface actually really helps her at this post-pregnancy state while she's still working herself back into shape and her body and so on and so forth. And I think that she's going to get it done. And does she retire after this? Because this might just be a goal that she wants to prove to herself after having a child. I don't think so. I think that what she does is she goes to the U.S. Open, and I think she's on a revenge tour to a certain degree, even though she has nothing to prove. I think she's proven to everybody that thought she wouldn't bounce back, uh, that it's it's still going down. Please mm-hmm. believe it. <laughs> she's still representing. I just feel like, for some reason, people have a hard time accepting that, you know, she because she didn't come back ranked number one. I don't feel like she deserved that just because she she left. She, Obviously, it didn't matter. Right. She's back in the finals. And uh, now, you and, know, six and this months is, and this four, is four months, four months after after her comeback, she's back in the finals of the biggest tennis tournament in the world, showing that she is in the top of the top. Exactly. This is cream rising to the top. That's how it works. Yeah, that's how it and works. The other semifinal we had was uh, Angelique Kerber beat Jelena Ostapenko in straight sets. And uh, Serena Williams beat uh, uh, another South African in straight sets. I do believe it was a South African. And, um, and you know, I think that uh, Miss George, and I think that one thing that I find interesting um, is back on the men's side, the quarterfinals seemed to make the tournament. You had familiar faces 
Kay Nishikori's been trying to battle back from an injury. He's been having a hard time. Well, he was back in the quarters against another guy who's been struggling in Novak Djokovic. They had a great match. Joker came out and forget about the match between Nadal and Del Potro. You know, this has really turned into a low-key, a really, really hot rivalry. Yeah. And Nadal keeps winning, so it's hard to call it a rivalry. But Juan Martinez had his share. Now, they just played at the French Open, and we all know Rafael Nadal doesn't lose on clay. And uh, and it looked like Juan Martin had made the proper adjustments. And it just he just the, – the will to win of Rafael Nadal is unmatched. It's incredible. It is incredible. More than Federer. he won't – I don't know if it's more, but it's definitely equal. It may be more, to be honest, because he will not fold. You have to beat Nadal. He's never going to beat himself. Roger Federer just beat himself to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And he was even saying in the clip he didn't feel his best. You got to beat him. Well, and Nadal is so serious about his diet. Maybe the diet might be the difference with what Federer is. Well, I mean, he's also younger than him. Yeah, but but you know what? He's well younger than him. Yeah, but when you get older, you know that you have to, in their situation, you might have to focus a little bit more on your diet. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, there's no way way to call it. But I'm looking forward to the championship. I think that it's going to be a, uh, I think that, I think we're going to look at Nadal and and, uh, Serena Williams hosting up the the trophies in all white. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. A time will tell. Uh, moving on to Major League Baseball, folks. The hot stove is heating up. What are the Orioles going to do? Where's Manny Machado going? I would like to see him go to a team like Arizona or um, the Cardinals. I think he's coming to the Dodgers. But it looks like he's probably going to end up with the Dodgers. I think, it's, I think it is time for L.A. to shine top to bottom. We got a crazy football team. Our soccer team is nice. We just got LeBron James. It's only right with the way that things are flowing. It was like in 2016 when things were just kind of twisted and things were rolling the wrong way. Right now, things are rolling the right way for L.A. Yeah, but the Yankees have put in a sort of semi-serious offer. Now, you feel like that wasn't a real offer. It's a, it's a, it's a show offer to me because you're not offering what the Baltimore Orioles want. You know what the Baltimore Orioles want out of your farm system. So e- either give them that or don't make an offer. What do you think? They said that they wanted that kid just as Sheffield, and they wanted um, – there's one more person, Clint Frazier, and probably a couple of other throw-ins. But, I mean, if you want Manny Machado, even if he is for a rental and you're the Yankees dynasty, you have to pay the price. Well, I think maybe what the Yankees are doing is actually just up in the ante for anybody else who does want him. I don't even know if they necessarily want him. They have a crazy lineup already. I wouldn't you, add, under- you yeah. add Manny Machado, of course it becomes crazier. And you can get but, him next year. But that's the thing. Why, why double up? You're paying twice for him if you do that. I don't think you do that. They did the same thing for Chapman. Uh, yeah, and it worked out. Yeah, and it they worked didn't, out. It actually, they didn't do the same thing for Chapman. Yeah, they did. They got, no. Are you crazy? When they traded Chapman, that's what boosted their farms. They did, yeah. No, they, they boosted their farms just not just through the Chapman trade, but through a few other trades. They did, but the Chapman trade was a key component. They didn't pay for him twice. Yeah. They traded him off. Yeah. They boosted up, and then they paid him. That's twice. No, what are you talking about? That's not twice. They traded him. They didn't pay him. They have to pay. His contract was up. So basically, they loaded up. They let. They leased him out to the Cubs, and then they paid him after he won a World Series. What do you? I don't think that's the same thing at all. But I think the Dodgers get him, and I think more importantly than that, there are going to be some moves for pitchers that are going to be made that are going to surpass the move for Manny Machado. And well, it, those it, moves are more important than the Manny Machado. I agree, and nobody's talking about that. Yeah, and low key, Manny Machado's teammate may be more important in determining the yeah, postseason race than Manny. 
Manny Machado himself. Because and, if the Houston Astros mess around and get Zach Britton, forget about it. It's lights out. Because one of the problems is that everybody now is focusing on offensive baseball, but pitching still rules the day. It still rules the day. You because still, you still got to catch it. You got to pitch it. Exactly. <laughs> and as powerful as the Yankees lineup is and, and the, and the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros, when you bring that pitching into town, all those bats seem to disappear in some form or fashion. It's funny how that works. <laughs> funny Everywhere how you works. go. With Bumgarner, with, <laughs> with Cueto, yeah, with, with Kershaw, yeah. with Scherzer, with, with Jake yeah. DeGrom, they, with Verlander, with Cole. <laughs> that's why you built the monster rotation. That's why you go and get a Garrett Cole and you have, uh, you know, Verlander and everybody. Verlander was the, 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 the game changer last year. I mean, they, the Houston Astros got Verlander and it was lights out. That was it. He was a direct, it was direct that changed everything. Yes. That he was a direct impact that changed that rung that got them ringed up. Now look at the Yankees rotation. You have Severino, and after that you have question marks. You literally have CC who's struggling a little bit. You have Tanaka who's struggling, and I mean, well, he's not necessarily struggling. He just came back from an injury. Well, he's always injured though. He's 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 injured a lot. And then you have that kid Germán, and I don't understand what what the problem is with bringing up some of their elite talent besides suppressing the time. You know what I'm saying? Because this is a bad. This is this is a bad bargain. This yeah. is just a, this is bad moves. They need to get rid of that. Yeah, guys need to play. Because what you're doing is that you're saying that we want to win, but we don't want to pay the price for winning. We'd rather go out and buy or rent somebody. Because anybody who gets Manny Machado knows that you're getting him just for now. He said he's going to free agency, and he's also letting he's everybody. Break the bank. He yeah. told me personally he was going to free agency. Yeah, <laughs> this was two, <laughs> two years ago, yeah. two three years at ago. All Star game, right? No, this is in Before, Miami at a charity mm. event at uh at uh, I think Yonder Alonso's charity event. Mm. And he said that he's playing shortstop. They're, everybody's hell-bent on making him move from shortstop, and I don't know why. Yeah. He's a good shortstop. Yeah. Well, we are more than halfway through the season now, and uh, a couple teams are just standout-ish. I mean, the Boston Red Sox can't get more impressive than me. They just keep right. rolling. And it's all with those arms at the top. They got great offense, but it has a lot to do with those arms at the top. Chris Sale totally dominant again. Yeah. Um, Looks like he got himself in shape so he can go in he for said, a long And haul. he said that. He said that he was going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yankees are something 29, 28 games above 500 yeah. and still four games out of first place. That's outrageous. <laughs> That's crazy, right? That is crazy. They can't afford to lose. Man, man. They, mean, need, they need home field. A lot of pressure is on them to get home field. Uh, a lot of pressure is on them to get home field. I think that uh, I still love the Dark Horse, the Cleveland Indians. Well, Cleveland, though, that's a layup in the, in the central right It's there. a layup in the central, but I'm talking about them getting to, you know, if Danny Salazar could have stayed healthy, that they could have they had a potential dynasty situation they could have yeah. done. Clevenger's coming back to earth. Uh, but they have Shane Bieber, and that kid, they brought him out of the minor leagues, and he's looking good. Yeah, he's but, they, giving, but, they, but they just got Oliver Perez, and... Uh, we don't need to get OP. <laughs> he got OP. That, those are the kind of moves that make me say, oh, you weren't serious. Yeah. In OP, general. Maybe they need an inning, an innings eater. Maybe. Maybe. As they like to say. Um, I like the Cubs. They got to do something about that front line. I really, really like the Cubs. I actually like watching the Philadelphia Phillies play yeah. a lot. And they're supposed to be a team that's like in the front line again, Manny Machado as well because they really don't have a shortstop. That would be a great move for them. Yeah, and they got they have, uh, what, Scott Kingery playing shortstop, but he's their utility player. And it's supposed to be a great place to play. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be great because they have the fans are, you know, they had that sellout a streak forever at Citizens Bank when once they open. Well, you plug in and play him in that lineup right there. Bank, right? Yeah. Bank, yeah. If you no, it's not no Citizens, Citizens Bank yeah. is Arizona. Yeah. what's the name of that one? Uh, we'll have to look that up. Yeah, yeah. But if you plug Manny Machado in that lineup, it's it's on fire. I mean, anywhere that he goes, they actually could use a bat, a consistent bat. I agree. That's power and just average. And then you're bringing in a solid shortstop as well. It There's, is Citizens Bank. 
The, the short, I mean, their pitching rotation is not bad. Aaron Nola up no. front, and they they look good. Yeah, and, yeah, know, yeah. So it's gonna Washington be is a disappointment. I don't think the Washington the Braves are real. The Braves are real, and I don't think Washington catches them. I don't know if they catch them or not. To be honest, I they might catch them. But we, the need, thing we need Bryce Harper. To, we, this, this is going to be interesting to see what happens at the All Star break. One thing that I really like is Jose Ramirez said no to the uh, to the home run derby. Jose Ramirez said, "You know what? Actually, I'm good." I'm going to take this time to rest with my teammates. I'm trying to win the World Series, not trying to, to win a uh, home run derby. And I think that that's going to help the Braves out as well because they need this rest with the youngsters. They do. They, they do. This, they need to recapture themselves. They do. <laughs> they do. And it's getting hot out. It's getting hot out, and they're they're too young. So these arms that you know they haven't pitched that many innings, they yep. need this little break so that they can go for the long haul. Yep. Yep. Um, All Star game coming up. We probably won't be on the mic again before the All Star game. We got American League and National League. Those teams are stacked. The the pitching in the All Star game is outrageous. I'm, let's call the score. I'm, I'm thinking that looking at a three to two or something. I know they yeah, they think it's going to be a tight one. Yeah, the uh, the Dodgers just had Ross Stripling. They just got it added to the rotation. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. And shout out for Tim Tebow for making the All Star game. I'm happy yeah. about that. I'm always trying to support Tim Tebow in that sense of. Uh, Do you have the lineups for the All Star game? I I I <laughs> don't have the the lineups. Are you going to pull it up? Yep. As expected, like I said, Matt Kemp was going to be all world this year, yep. and he's at the All Star Game. Him and Ken Lee. I'm happy to see Ken Lee's dead arm went away, and uh, you know that that really picked things up. <laughs> Excuse me, and uh, turned helped to turn the corner for the Dodgers. I think that the starting pitching, Woo. yeah, <laughs> laid out. Which one do you want to start with? Both we'll go of the American are. League. The, what do you want, the starting pitcher or just the roster? In I general? just want the starting pitchers on both teams. Okay, fine. We're going Trevor Bauer, Jose Berrios, Araldus Chapman, Garrett Cole, Edwin Diaz, Jay Happ, Joe Jimenez, Craig Kimbrell, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Luis Severino, Blake Trinian, and Justin Verlander. That is a Carvery. Uh, that <laughs> that is, is That's Lowry's out there. That's a straight Carvery. Yeah. You kidding me? You come with Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, uh Luis Severino, <laughs> this is going to be hard to score runs. It was the National League bringing. Patrick Corbin, Jake DeGrom, Sean Doolittle, Mike Folnowitz, Josh Hader, Brad Hand, Kenley Jansen, John Lester, Miles Mikolas, Aaron Nola, Max Scherzer, Ross Stripling, and Felipe Vasquez. Going American League 4 to 5 to 2. I honestly, you know what? Are they playing at, they're playing in Washington? Yeah. I'm going. Oh, this is the National League. I'm going with the National League just because. Three to two? Yeah, because the National League, what they're doing is that they're going with a bunch of relievers they that, are. that are a problem. And, and relievers that are used to pitching one and two innings. Yes, that are dominant. Josh Hader is the most dominant reliever in baseball. That kid gets people out of there. That they haven't seen before. That the, the He's American, locking you up. Yeah. He's striking out three dudes. You got Jake, <laughs> you got Jake DeGrom. He's good for two innings of scoreless baseball. Brad Hand is one of the best closers in baseball. You have John Lester, Kenley Jansen is one of the best, Aaron Nola, and we haven't even talked about Max Scherzer. Mad Max is pitching at home. <laughs> Come on, um, man. So I imagine he's you, starting it yeah, off. Yeah. And he's going to be blowing cheese. You got a problem. And then the lineup. It's going to be tight. I don't well, know about don't five know to the, two. It's going to be tight. I'm saying three to two. I said five to two. Oh, you, you, thinking, you went large. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going under six. The starters for the American Leagues, Wilson Ramos, Jose Abreu, Jose Altuve, Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, and J.D. Martinez. I'm going with the American League. Like <laughs> I said, back. five to two. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to go with Dennis on this one. Shout out to Dennis D. Okay. And then the National League, yeah. It's, the National League's bats aren't up the code. Wilson Contreras. <laughs> <laughs> They're not 
they're not up to code. I like these guys, but they're not up to code. You know, when we want to, you know, put them next to that 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 American League squad is crazy. American crazy League five guy. to two. I don't even need to read it. We got to keep it moving on the cast today. Uh, you don't even want to read them off? Read them off. Get them off quick. Wilson Contreras, Freddie Freeman, Javier Baez, Nolan Arenado, Brandon Crawford, Nick Marquez, Matt Kemp, and Bryce Harper. There you go. And Bryce Harper's there because he's a local, because his numbers actually are not all-star worthy. Um, so, uh, moving on. We got boxing this weekend. And real quick, I just want to say, vive la France. I told you guys off the rip that I thought France was going to win the World Cup. This Sunday we're going to find out, and I think France is going to go crazy. I love the French, and the French love me. And I'll be there soon to drink some wine and eat some cheese, honey. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? Our contributor wants to jump on the line and talk about the fights coming up this weekend. Set back. Uh oh, Ellie. <laughs> What's up, baby? We're good. We're good. We're here in camp with Amir Khan. He's getting ready. He's fighting September eighth uh, in Birmingham against Sammy Vargas, and he's looking phenomenal. He's on his way back, man. I think he could uh, he could be an interesting factor in that one forty seven uh, category if he stays there at one forty seven. You know, he could even go down to one forty and be a ca- be be a, a problem for a lot of people if he can make that weight. Yeah, I agree. The hand speed, he told me he is faster now than he was a few years ago, and it's, it's crazy to watch in real time. Wow. wow. So we got the big fight this weekend, Manny Pacquiao versus Lewis Mati- Lucas Matisse. Me personally, I'm with Manny Pacquiao. I have no reason to believe that Manny Pacquiao it doesn't have enough to beat Lucas Matisse. The last Lucas Matisse fight I saw, he looked like he was in slow motion. Hmm. Um, and the last Manny Pacquiao fight I saw, he beat the crap out of Jeff Horn and got robbed. Now, a lot has changed in that year, so we'll see what happens and which Manny shows up. This is the first fight not with Freddie Roach in a long time. What are you hearing on the streets about that? Oh, man, I don't know where to start. Manny Pacquiao <laughs> is a senator. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer that many people feel should retire because of his legacy. How He, he was on a 15-fight win streak before he lost. He knocked out everybody. He became the face of boxing and maybe staying in too long, but he should beat Lucas Matisse. Matisse definitely didn't look good at that fight at the Forum. No. Um, you were there ringside. It just didn't look impressive. And Manny beats him, but then what? Does he go and he fight uh, Crawford? Does he fight Lomachenko? I think this is what Top Rank is doing, is trying to get him to set up to pass the torch. And honestly, I still don't see any of those guys really wanting a big, to, mix it up. Uh, to mix it up with That's Manny Pacquiao. Uh, it's a dangerous – You don't. Uh, Terrence Crawford does not have enough ring experience to tussle with Manny Pacquiao at 144, 147, or whatever it is that they do it at. Especially with the unorthodox form. He's unorthodox. Well, it, it also depends because if you fight, let's say, in the U.S. and it goes all 12, they're going to favor the young. No doubt. No doubt. And Manny hasn't had a knockout in years. I'm trying to think. Who's the last person he stopped? I don't know, right before Chris Algieri, because he knocked uh, Chris Algieri around the ring 600 times, but he didn't yeah. knock him out. Yeah, so <laughs> it's been a minute. Did I think he stop Brandon Rios? No. He didn't stop Brandon? No. Yeah, he hasn't knocked anybody out in a while. Yeah, so so it's an interesting fight. It's, it's good for boxing. I was watching the press conference yesterday in the, the room where, where Manny had his press conference, hundreds and hundreds of people. So they did a good choice to fight in Malaysia. Uh, Manny's the star. He's the name. It's on the app, and I don't know how many people will actually physically watch the fight. We're all going to watch highlights, and we're going to watch parts of it. But it's going to be a little difficult to watch unless you have that app, the ESPN+. Plus. Right. I, so, and I don't know why they're doing that. It's a, it seems like a money grab, and I don't think it's the right move, to be honest. So that's uh, one thing. Now, does Matisse have a puncher's chance? Absolutely. 
if he lands something crazy, it could happen. All depends on if Manny's focused. I mean, I, I was very surprised to hear that he parted ways with Freddie Roach, and I'm interested to see what he's going to do, you know, independently when he steps in there. Because the way it feels like to me is, is he's like, listen, man, I know what I need to do to beat Lucas Matisse. Yeah, but let me ask you this. Is that him parting ways with, um, with Roach, or is Roach, did Roach part ways with him? Well, Roach told him after the fight in Australia, this is how it all went down. Roach told him after the fight in Australia, you need to retire. And the fighter, any fighter, any athlete doesn't want to hear that. That's a very personal decision. Right. And you shouldn't tell it to the media first, too, because I think Freddie said it in the interview. He did say it in so, the interview. So Manny got offended because he felt that Freddie didn't do enough during the fight because Horn is the best MMA fighter in boxing. He does all kinds of clinches, headbutts, low blows, everything. So they didn't, he felt that Freddie didn't bring up the point to the ref to say, hey, this guy's dirty, deduct the point, because it was a very close fight. And Manny almost stopped him in the 10th, I think, at the 11th, whatever it was. But he felt he didn't get any help from the corner. So he was mad and just wanted to take it in a new direction. I don't think any trainer wants to be fired, especially when there's a lot of money on the line. So I, I don't think that Freddie parted ways with him. If Freddie did an interview with the LA Times yesterday, two days ago, and he said, if Manny calls me, I'll fly right now and train him for free for this fight. Wow. Wow. That's bad. Yeah, he so, loves Manny. <laughs> but... It's not going to happen. It's going to be Boo Boy in his corner. But here's the thing, the way I look at it. When you're a superstar athlete, at some point you start training yourself. Mayweather trains himself practically. Sergio Martinez used to train himself. So you have a lot of athletes that when they get to the point, they know exactly what they need to do. And yeah. all they need is someone to wipe their face, give them some water. Well, um, but in the fight, they need somebody. And that's the tricky thing. Yeah, the, in the fight, you may get into a dog fight and you need those that extra set of eyes that says, actually, this is what they're about to do. Allah, when... The Canelo Triple G first fight, when we went and watched it after being there live, and Abel Sanchez after the first or second round was like, all right, look, he's about to try to catch you with this uppercut. That's what they're trying to set up. Literally 15 seconds later, Canelo tried to check with the uppercut. It didn't work, and Manny countered him with a devastating right. You know, and this is this is what you need those guys for. Still, I like Manny in the fight. I think Manny wins this fight, and then then it becomes really really interesting because 47 is still probably the hottest division in the in the sport right now. Um, but moving on, we got Rougarou. I'm going with Regis Progray out there in New Orleans. Uh, you got any insight on that fight? Yeah, it's this is his show. It's his homecoming. It should be tremendous. It's the, Jose the opponent only has 12 knockouts. He's already sounding like he's accepting his role. Oh, Regis is the favorite, and everybody's going for him. Everybody has a chance in boxing, but Regis should smoke him. And then let's see what happens. Does he fight Jose Ramirez next? Does he uh, go? He goes into that tournament. If he wins the tournament, he gets two belts at 40. So we have to see. But the kid's definitely very, very talented, and he's, he's uh, very charismatic. Uh, Regis could be a superstar. He's maybe six months, a year away from being like a real household name. Right. I agree with that. Now, let me ask you guys this. This broke yesterday. It looks like Cyborg is fighting Amanda Nunez. I saw that. I saw that. December, December, December 29. What do you think? You know what? After meeting Cyborg in person, it's hard to go against her. Um, but Nunez is, is serious. And I tell you this much. From what I understand, Cyborg was really trying to do her best to switch over and fight Cecilia Breckhouse. And it, apparently they weren't able to make that fight, and that's a good decision for Cecilia because I don't think that she would be able to handle the power of a of a Chris Cyborg myself. But this is going to be a clash of the titans, and I don't really know. I need to watch some more tape on Amanda Nunes because I know she likes to get girls out of there. But uh, after visually meeting Cyborg, she's an impressive athlete, 
listen, her record is 21 and one with 17 knockouts. And that's insane in MMA because most MMA people that have 21 fights, it's, it's much more close. Right. It's not yeah. that widespread. Not, not, nobody has that many knockouts. No one. Because it happens the fights go to the ground. So Amanda likes to box. She likes to box. I think she just knocks her out. She just stops her. Too big. She's, I'm, she, she's, a, she's a very formidable athlete. She's a big lady. And, and I think the UFC are going back to their basics because they kind of were falling off in the last few years. People were losing interest. So you just had the two heavyweight fight, DC with that crazy knockout. And now they're bringing another fight that people are interested in. So let's see how all this ties into Dana White trying to get into boxing because he doesn't want to work with any of the sanctioning bodies. So what he wants to do is maybe do the UFC a Zufa boxing belt and just saves everybody a lot of money. Right. So now, right. along those lines, one of the people that you cover closely is uh, Mikey Garcia. Mikey's getting ready for this Robert Easter uh, fight. I think he's going to handle Robert Easter. But he just put out a video yesterday talking about fighting Earl Spence and going up, walking around at that higher weight. I don't, you know, some could argue that this is uh, him looking past Robert Easter. What do you think about that camp and how it's going? Well, a few things. Mikey wants to fight the best and he wants the biggest challenges. 100%. So- he wants to fight. Errol Spence is the only guy that nobody's calling out. Nobody's calling him out except two people. Amir Khan said he wants him and Mikey wants him. And they both want him for the same reason because he's the biggest threat. Uh, Mikey's dad, the big G, and his brother Robert, his coach, they say, okay, for the Spence fight, but let's wait a year. Let's wait two years. Mikey wants it as early as December. Wow. But yes, Robert <laughs> Easter is, is working his ass off. Robert Easter is going to, he's been in camp for 11 weeks. He's, he's getting ready for the fight of his lifetime. So, Mikey's expecting, he told me he's expecting the best Robert Easter. He's not looking past him. And this is his homecoming. He hasn't fought at home in seven years. Right. Um, and, and tickets are going crazy and trying to see if LeBron James will show up. It's going to be <laughs> July 28th, Stable Center is going to be It's going to be on fire. Now, Robert is pushing for Mikey to fight Lomachenko. He wants that fight because if Mikey unifies and Lomachenko unifies against Ray Beltran, they each have two of the 135 belts they could fight in and one, someone will have four belts. Um, but Mikey serious. He really wants he wants the toughest fights. He's not he doesn't want to mess around and just have fights just to have fights. So he doesn't feel like Lomachenko would be the toughest fight for him. No, they feel they have an advantage. They've known Loma. Loma and they do have an advantage. I, I feel that same way. Mm-hmm. I think it's stopping. And, and and here's the thing. Wow. Loma's doing great against who he's fought, but he hasn't fought anyone in Mikey's caliber. No. Yeah. No, I agree. And There's not many guys fight. in Mikey's caliber, mm-hmm. to be honest. But he's, he's like the most fundamentally sound. He's boxer totally out there. sound. He's totally sound. I love. I love Mikey's it, work. M- Mikey reminds a lot of people of of uh, Andre Ward. Where outside of the ring, they're not impressed, but when you're standing in front of him, he's so patient. He's so smart. He just outworks you, and he and he beats you. Hmm. So, so we'll see. Final, but it's gonna be good. But final question I got for you, Sekback. You tell me something. What is the hell is going on with Wilder Fury? Who's lying? Not Wilder Fury. Hearn, uh, Eddie Hearn and Shelly Finkel and Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder's fight. What is happening? It's, it's, a, it's a cluster. It seems like I don't, it. Use, I don't want to use bad language. Yeah, it's a cluster, duck. I will say this. <laughs> it seems that Wilder wants to fight right now. It seems that Joshua doesn't want it right now. I mean, we want to see the best fight the best. If Wilder goes in there, and it's a 50-50 fight. Wilder goes in there and knocks out Joshua Cole. Joshua loses all his steam, loses his fan base, loses is too much to lose. So he's not interested in doing it right now. Wilder wants it right now. He's ready. So the whole negotiation in public never works. No one ever negotiates in the media. It doesn't right. work that way. And usually when you pressure an athlete to do something in the media, they're going to go the opposite way. 
I know Mayweather, numerous fighters that he never gave a fight to because they negotiated in the media. He said, oh, you want to talk to the media? You're never fighting me. Um, so the latest it is that the first thing, Joshua threw it out there, like, give me 50 million and I'll fight. And then Wilders called his bluff and said, okay, here's the 50 million plus the split. And then they realized we're not interested in that. So I think they're each going to go their own route for a little bit. And maybe in a year or two, we'll see the fight because it looks Povetkin is going to fight Joshua next. And Wilder probably fights um, Dominique Brazil. They had beef after the ring. They actually got in a fist fight. I remember that. Wilder. Yeah. And then the, when the cops showed up, they were all taking selfies with Wilder. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I think a big so, thing is, honestly, I think that the longer, the more fights that, that uh, Deontay Wilder gets with more rounds where he can perfect his craft, the more dangerous he becomes for Anthony Joshua. It seems as though the Joshua camp seems to think otherwise. But if I was them, I would fight him now as opposed to later. Because I think that the, it's at a fever pitch now. You are dealing with the heavyweight, so there's always a chance that somebody gets knocked out. Right. You but, know? but it kind of it sucks because I'll tell you what. Back in the day, you could lose and life goes on. Tyson lost. Ali lost. Today, everybody's so insecure about losing their undefeated. They're so insecure. They I agree. don't want to take that risk. This is that generational but, fragility, though. Yeah. Because they don't, they act like they don't know that old boxing adage. The only people who haven't lost haven't fought the right person yet. That's how, this is no. how it goes. McGregor lost. Nick Diaz lost. They're the best of the best. Nate Diaz lost. You know what I mean? So you can't, but they're, they're willing to take risks. So Joshua, it, it's, it also shows that the fans, when you lose, all of a sudden you're a bum. They're cutthroat. Oh, yeah. But see, this is, and this is the social media, this is the social media generation. Everybody in social media has their say and they can say it in anonymity and that allows them to talk really, really slick. Yeah, but, but it, it hurts the sport because we want to see the big fights. We want to see the UK superstar with the 90,000 fans in the stadium fight. The bronze bomber who everybody, everyone who ever faced him got knocked out. We've never seen anything like that in our era. We've never seen nothing like that. He gets you sleep. Now, he's going to pass May with his 50-0 and record. Uh, probably won't make the money that Floyd made. And maybe he wouldn't be appreciated. I'm talking about Wilder. Wouldn't be appreciated till years later. Because if it's so easy to knock people out, like they're saying, how come nobody else is doing it? And there's heavyweights. Anybody has a chance in a heavyweight division. Yeah, sure do. Okay, last thing about the heavyweight division. King Kong Ortiz is fighting on the undercard of uh, I saw that. Mikey against Razvan. Razvan came from Romania to the U.S. about eight years ago. I was training at James Tony Gym here in L.A. in Van Nuys. So he's a decent fighter, but King Kong should win. But let's see, you know, if his brain is okay after the Wilder fight. And I'm not being funny. I'm just saying when you fight Wilder, you may never be the same. Yeah, power has that effect on people, and the fact that he's probably closer to fifty than he is to forty has that effect on people. Okay, so, true story. True story. Stavern told me he sparred ten years ago. Ten years ago, he was thirty-eight. So I'm not good at wow. math. I was never good at you know. I always had trouble with math, but thirty-eight percent of forty-eight <laughs> is not thirty-nine. I'm just saying, so, you could see it. He didn't, and I also like that he did. I saw, I read, in, uh, I saw an interview that he did where he f- reflected on the Wilder fight, and he's still real hurt that he couldn't pull it out because he, he had him. Yeah. He had him, and he actually he said that him. what he saw in the in the when he watched the replay was the fight did wasn't going as badly as he thought it was going because he was getting knocked down and that was new to him. Mm. So, yeah. really, but, really listen, interesting. He, he had the opportunity, and now he has to climb up the ladder. So I don't think he gets a rematch, but no. he might make some noise. No. But yeah, for sure. But uh, thanks so much for always having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Ellie. You are a friend of the Ozone. Tell the people where they can find you on their hot YouTube page. Type in anywhere. ES News. All we're, good. We're, we're pushing 600 million views. So thank you. Everybody. Woo! That's the hot. That's the heat rock. 
All right, Allie. Talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks. Late. Bye, late. <sighs> well, great addition of the Ozone. Informative. Loving. <laughs> competitive. What else? It's go time. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us here in the Ozone. You can find us online if you want to continue the conversation. I want to leave you with an, uh, an ancient Chinese proverb that I really liked, which is, often one finds one's destiny just where one hides to avoid it. You can't hide from life, folks. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal, and this is the Ozone. Peace. Ozone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life. The camera's on me, yeah, yeah. Yeah.